morning. I'm going to be in the book of John, finishing up chapter 6 today. John chapter 6, starting at verse 60, where we'll start today. And ask Brother Mike Green if he'll read John 6, 60 through 70 for us before we dig into the text. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said that, and he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of, the, of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil, is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Brother Mike, <clears throat> let's pray again. Father, uh, thank you for these words uh, that we have. Words of spirit and life. And God, I pray that uh, we would have eyes to see and ears to hear today, Lord Jesus, your words as spirit and life. Uh, move in this place today, Lord. May we see a great work of your Holy Spirit uh, in and through us in this place today, Lord, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts now, God, Draw us to yourself, Lord Jesus, that we would come and believe, and by believing in you, have everlasting life, Lord. So help us to see now, Lord. Help us to hear now, Lord, these words of spirit and life. And if there's any in this place today, Lord, and I know there probably are, who haven't trusted in you, Lord Jesus, I pray that today they would come. I pray that now. You, God the Father, would draw them to Jesus, and they would come and believe and have eternal life. And for those of us that have believed in you, Lord Jesus, encourage our hearts in this time, God. Strengthen our faith in you. Help us, Lord, to, to drink deeply of your living water and feast and feed on your living bread in this time now, in this day, and forevermore. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the heart of this text is found in verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. As I have been reading over this text for months, my heart and mind just fixates on those words. There are a lot of other doctrines taught in this text, and we could preach for weeks just on this one text. 
But brothers and sisters, I want to focus in on, on what's said there in verse 63 today. And I want you to hear it again and again and again. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, this is Jesus talking. The words that Jesus has spoken to you are spirit and life. They're spirit and life. And so he's talking here. He's talking to his disciples. And we need to know that the words of Jesus are spirit and life. And as we back up into chapter six a little bit before in the prior weeks that we've seen, we've seen the multitudes have just heard his words that are spirit and life. Yet they're grumbling against him. We've seen his own disciples and close followers here in this text are offended and grumbling about him and what he just said. So again, we open our text today and we've got people grumbling against Jesus. Last time we saw it was the multitudes grumbling against Jesus and the Jews grumbling against Jesus. And now his own disciples are grumbling about him and against him. Even his own close followers, they're offended and grumbling about what he had just said. So what did he say? That one group of people, a very small group, would see his words as spirit and life. And another very large group take offense and grumble. What did he say that caused so much trouble? It seems like everyone's against him now. What did he say that caused tens of thousands of people whom he just fed with miracle bread in the wilderness on the mountain to suddenly turn away from him, even his disciples, to not walk with him anymore? Let's look at these words of Jesus and As we look at these words of Jesus, consider your own thoughts and feelings about him. These weren't just words to a multitude of people thousands of years ago. They're words to us this morning, right now in this place. And each one of us are confronted with the words of Jesus. And I want you to think in your own heart, what do you have to say about the words of Jesus? What is your response to those words? Every one of us will be accountable for how we respond to these words of Jesus. Every one of us must choose how we are going to respond to these words of Jesus. There's no, there's no passive way out of it. You're going to respond to these words of Jesus as well. And how will your response look like? Will you be like the multitudes? offended and grumbling against him? Or are you like the disciple Peter, one of the 12, who understood Jesus had the words of eternal life? Peter believed and knew Jesus was the Holy One of God. And so what is your response to Jesus' words of spirit 
and life. Let's take a look at some of those words, starting back in chapter 6 at verse 26. Let's flip back there, chapter 6, starting in verse 26. Just to set some of the context and remind us what has been happening here, the multitude followed Jesus to Capernaum, wanting more of that miracle bread. He had just fed them. This is better than any bread you've ever bought at any bakery, better than any bread you ever got at any grocery store, better than any bread, as good as the, some of you ladies are at making bread, than you can make at home. Sorry to offend, but this is miracle bread from Jesus. This is as good as it gets. And the multitudes wanted more of it. Matter of fact, they followed him. You know, it wasn't easy to, to travel in those days. You know, they, most of them had to walk or get in a boat, ride a donkey maybe or something, but they followed him across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum because they wanted more of this bread. And they were telling him, give us evermore, give us this bread. So this was some good bread. He had just uh, fed them. They've got full bellies and they're seeking him because they want more of that miracle bread. And Jesus He's not surprised. He knows it. He knows that's why they're following after him. They want physical full bellies, and Jesus is offering spiritual food, which endures to eternal life. We see that in verse 26. Look at verse 26. And mark these words of Jesus in your own heart. Verse 26. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. <laughs> okay, Jesus, we'll do the works of God. Maybe baby James wants some of that miracle bread. <laughs> That's what I do, and I want some bread. Give me some bread. Now. So Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And the crowd responds, okay, Jesus, we'll do it. We will do the works of God. Okay, what is it? What are the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God, Jesus? And Jesus gives them this very simple answer. Very simple answer. This is the work of God. Ready for this? Everybody wants to know, what do I have to do to get to heaven? What do I have to do to have eternal life? What are the list of things I have to do? I have to go to temple. I have to burn incense. I have to make an offering. I have to put a, a coin in the box and buy a candle and light the candle. And, you know, I got to get on my knees and I got to say these prayers the right way. No, none of that. I got to get to the church every Sunday. I've got to show up in church every Sunday. I got to go to Sunday school. I got to volunteer in the nursery. I've got to show up on Sunday night. I got to show up on Wednesday. And, oh, I'm tired of saying right? none of that. We all, we all want to work our way to eternal life. We want to strive for it. And we want to get up one day and say, look what I did to obtain eternal life. Look what I did. And Jesus says, I'll have none of that. None of that. It's all filthy rags in my sight. 
No, this is the work of God, and it's right here in our text. This is the work of God that you believe in Jesus, whom the Father has sent. That's the work of God. It's that simple. So when someone asks you, well, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to enter into eternal life? Certainly there's some mountain I have to climb and some list of things I must do to reach enlightenment, to reach eternal life, to, to have eternal security. Certainly there's, there's a difficult journey ahead of me. Jesus says, no, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom the Father has sent. You believe. You come to Jesus and believe. It's that simple. I want that to, to just sink in a little bit. Sometimes we take that for granted. And we put the gospel on the shelf and we're like, oh, that's, that was great when I first believed. And that was so simple and so wonderful. But, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm stronger. Now I want to be stronger as a believer. Now I want to, you know, you know, grow and all these things. And yes, we do. But we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as that. So let's not make it complicated church it's that simple and in saying these words jesus is taking them back to isaiah chapter 55 we talked about this a little bit last time he's presenting them with the greatest gift anyone could ever long or hope for eternal and abundant life through faith in him simply believe in jesus and have spiritual food for your hungry and thirsty soul that endures forever. If you remember Isaiah 55, starting at verse 1, says this. Ho! Some of your translations say, ho! Get your attention. Pay attention. Listen up. Ho, everyone. Look. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Is your soul thirsty this morning? Come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, God says. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. We strive, we work, we labor, we buy the food of this world that never truly satisfies. You know, we partake of the food. It's good for, in my house, maybe an hour or 30 minutes. By the time I'm doing the dishes, the kids are in the pantry again already, looking for more and more food. I, we just are insatiable with our hunger and our appetites physically. And God's telling us, look, you, you need that kind of food to live physically, but I've got the spiritual food for you that you can have at no cost. If you'll just come to me. Just come. 
come to Jesus. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. And so Jesus is, is taking them in their mind back to these words of Isaiah in chapter 55. And then he tells them further, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Jesus is telling them, I'm that bread Isaiah was talking about. It's me standing right here in front of you. I am the bread of life. He repeats this over and over again. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. These are the words of Jesus that are spirit and life. When your soul is thirsty, when your soul is hungry, remember these words. Jesus is the bread of life. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. I love the way Jesus talks to us. So your, your natural question is, oh, well, what's the will of God who sent you? What is his will? I'll tell you what his will is. This is it right here. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. So the God the Father draws us to Jesus, gives us to Jesus. Jesus holds you in salvation forevermore. This is the doctrine of eternal assurance of salvation, eternal security. He's not going to lose you. You may think, oh, I've wandered so far. He can never, I can never go back to God. But you may have wandered, but he never lost you. The God who created this universe, Jesus Christ, who spoke creation into existence through his word, created you. He has saved your soul. He doesn't lose anything. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or what you have done. He's not going to lose you. And so that's part one. He will never lose you. You are eternally secure in him. Nothing, no one, nowhere can snatch you from his hand. You are his. Delight yourself in those words, church. I can't mess it up. Because <laughs> if I could mess it up, it would be messed up. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. That's part one. Next, I will raise him up on the last day. And as we head into Easter, this is Palm Sunday where the crowds in Jerusalem shouted, Hosanna, which means save now. Good Bible trivia for you there. Save now, Jesus. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Next week, they'll be nailing him to a cross on Passover. And so as we look forward to Good Friday, to Passover, to Easter Sunday, first fruits, 
He's giving us a picture even now that I'm going to raise you up on the last day. All who come to me and believe all that the father has drawn to me and given to me who come and believe I will not lose them. And just as I rise from the dead, Jesus is telling us is just as I rise from the dead as first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. So, too, I will raise you up on the last day, and we will have a glorified body that doesn't break down anymore, and church, you know, the older ones in here with that broken body, you can say amen, because man, this thing is breaking down every moment. I woke up this morning, my back's like, what's going on with my shoulder? Like, I didn't even do anything yesterday, but sit around. <laughs> come on, Jesus, come on, come now. He will raise us up on the last day. Oh, rejoice in those words, brothers and sisters. Those are words of spirit and, and, and life. Think about those words. And now is your opportunity. How will you respond to those words? Do they cause you to leap for joy as they do me? I have been reading this over and over and over, and I'm never, I'm not tired of reading it. 40 years I've been reading these words, and I'm not tired of reading them. Do they cause you to leap for joy, or do they cause you to grumble in your spirit? How could Jesus come down from heaven? What? What is he talking about? That's what the crowd said. Even the Jews right here, they grumbled because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They flatly reject what he just said. How could Jesus have come down from heaven? He's the son of Joseph and Mary. We know them. Really, Jesus? Have you lost it? I mean, you must be just out of your mind. Even his brothers and sisters thought he was out of his mind. Thought he was insane. He's just lost it. So they, they flatly reject this. They can't accept these words. They can't accept them. So they will evoke some type of response in you as well. Are you going to be the skeptical grumbling in your heart? This is, this is nonsense. Or do you hear these words of spirit and in life and life and realize, yes, this is, this is it. I rejoice in these words. I believe. I pray you believe today. Verse 45, he continues. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So this is what happens in our life. Our spirit, in our hearts, we hear somehow, some way, and I don't know exactly how it happens, but somehow, some way, God the Father teaches us in our spirit, in our heart. We learn from him that these words are true, and we come to Jesus. And suddenly what seemed to be stupid to us, what was nonsense to us, what we like, what are they even talking about? Die on the cross, rise from the grave. Jesus comes down from heaven, bread of life, living water. What are they talking about? You go from thinking like that to this is the most precious treasure I have ever heard in my life. This is it. These words are true. Jesus, I believe. God does that work in our hearts. And there's a change in our hearts. 
And it's very sudden oftentimes. It just happens. And, and we can't even explain it. It just happens. And I've seen it happen multiple times throughout my life. As I've witnessed to people and as I share the gospel with people, they'll flatly reject me. Now, that's just silly. No, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that right now. No, no, no. And then years later, I'll get a text or I'll get a message or something. And they'll be like, I've trusted in Jesus. I, I understand now. I believe. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> when I shared the gospel and you rejected it, I felt like a failure. I'm like, God, I'm just I'm terrible at this. I can't, I can't share the gospel. Look, nobody's responding. And if that's how you judge success, then you'd say Jesus is a failure. Because he just lost 30,000 people down to 11, basically, by the time we're at the end of our text. Jesus would have been marked as a huge failure in his ministry. If that's how you're judging success. But that's not how we measure success, brothers and sisters. Success is, do you believe and are you telling others about it? That's success. God does the saving. We see it in our text right here. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And what, what's amazing, what has to happen is we have to tell the gospel. There's no salvation without a preacher, without a proclaimer. Somehow, some way, God uses us broken down, sinful people to get his plan done of salvation for the nations. And I always, I keep asking myself, God, why that way? That makes no sense that you would use someone like me to bring salvation to others through your word. Why that way, God? That's how he, that's how he does it. And so we must be faithful to share the good news of the gospel. We've got to tell others. I hear stories as well from uh, missionaries who are uh, all over the world, in Iran, in Nepal, in India, uh, all over the world. They, they tell these types of stories where they show up and they're preaching the gospel. They're having a Bible study. They're sharing the gospel with others. And the person they're sharing will, will, will say something like this. And I had a dream. And Jesus appeared to me in the dream and told me someone would come. Sometimes they're even very specific. You know, a white man would come and share with me how to be saved. When that person comes, listen to him. And then the missionary shows up, shares the gospel, and the person hearing it is like, oh, it's you. You've come. You are the one that Jesus told me about in my dream. Now, why can't Jesus just share the gospel in the dream and have people be saved without us? That's the question I ask. But that ain't how it works, church. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. We got to go and we got to tell them. Here in Youngsville, Wake Forest, North Carolina, to the ends of the earth, we must go. And if we don't do it, God ain't waiting around from us. He'll raise up missionaries from South Korea. He'll raise up missionaries from the Sudan. He'll raise up people from all over this world to get his plan done. He doesn't need us, but he uses us with surrender to him. And there's joy and delight in that that you'll, you'll never, I can't even explain it with words. 
And so these words are spirit and life. Truly, I say to you, verse 47, whoever believes has eternal life. Interesting that he keeps repeating that all who believe will have eternal life. All who believe will have eternal life. And so then I ask the question, what is it that we are to believe to have this life? Believe what? Is this just a cat poster? <laughs> you know? It's not just a cat poster, you know, that the little cat there says believe, you know, it's, it's something that we have to believe. What is it that we have to believe to have this eternal life? And he answers that in the next verses, verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. So listen up, multitudes who want that miracle bread. Your fathers ate bread like that. They even said it tasted good, yet they grumbled and complained, and they died in the wilderness. They ate that manna, and they died. So that's not what's going to give you life. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, this is what you must believe. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And here's the controversial statement. This is where it gets, this is where it gets nitty gritty and, and nasty here. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The old rugged cross where Jesus died. We sing that song and that's what he's talking about right here. You got to believe that he died on that cross. You got to believe that he rose the grave and that you can be saved through faith in him that's what you believe he died on that cross for our sins he goes on verse 53 truly truly i say to you unless you eat the son eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the Father, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And so with these words, Jesus declared how he would offer us eternal life. Here it is. Through dying for our sins. Jesus, the holy son of God, came down from heaven. He became a man. He lived a perfect life without sin. And he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to pay the death penalty for sin for all who would believe. That's what you must believe. And this points forward to exactly what we're going to celebrate next week with Passover, Good Friday, and Easter. 
Jesus died on the cross. He was buried on and rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's it. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Not about bunnies. Not about eggs. <laughs> not about that stuff. Jesus rose from the dead. And someday we also will live eternally with him. These words of Jesus are spirit and life. I'm going to keep repeating that. Do you take offense at them? I mean, that, that's hard to hear, right? How many of you sharing the gospel for the first time would roll up with that message? Oh, you want to have eternal life? Eat the blood of, uh, eat the flesh of Jesus, drink his blood. What? <laughs> what? That's, he didn't soften it. You know, he saw the crowds were grumbling, the multitude was grumbling, even the disciples are like, they're disputing about all this. He didn't backpedal on that. He pushed it further. Jesus, man, you're just trying to push them away, aren't you? That's what it seems like. No, he, he's putting the truth flat out there. And we don't have to be ashamed of it, church. Jesus isn't ashamed of it. You got to believe that he died on the cross. So when you when he says you you feed on the living bread, when you eat the, the his flesh and drink his blood. Clearly, we don't have his physical flesh and blood here in front of us. We do that through believing in him, through trusting in him, through feeding on his word, praying, asking his spirit to fill our lives and our hearts, turning away from our sin. When we're walking in sin, it's like we're eating all the junk food of this world and it just makes us sick and it kills us. And he said, no, I want you to stop that. I want you to turn from your sin. I want you to believe in me. I want you to have faith in me. In, in those dark hours, I want you to cry out to me. I want you to read my word, take it in, meditate on it deeply in your soul. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life, fill your heart. That is how we feed on Jesus. That is how we eat his flesh, drink his blood. We internalize him into our lives. He, his Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's how these things happen. <clears throat> and I pray you rejoice in these words. They cause you to, like they do me, fall down and worship him in your spirit. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Striving after worldly things and religious rituals gain us nothing. They might in the short term give us this feeling of satisfaction. They're like, oh, look at this great big thing I just did for God. But they leave us wanting. They leave us hungry for more. They leave us thirsty. They'll never satisfy our souls. Only Jesus and his living bread, the bread of life, can satisfy our hungry souls. His words are true food for our hungry souls. They're true drink. For our thirsty souls in our times of deepest heartache, Jesus is the living bread. In our times of deepest sadness, Jesus is the living water. In our times of greatest suffering, 
Jesus is the bread of life. Let our souls delight in the abundance of Jesus today. Come to Jesus and your soul will live. And I'll say it again, it takes no work on your part. God the Father draws you in your heart to Jesus. You come, you believe, you enter into eternal life with him. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So here we see these words, spirit and flesh. And so I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. What is he, is he talking about there? He's giving us this contrast here between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh wants earthly things. It leads to depravity, to sin. The spirit wants life and peace. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of what Galatians 5 has to say about the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and, and onward says, the apostle Paul writes, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh? Well, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. That's like fighting. Strife is next. Jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sin matters. Right? We must turn from our sin. Our sins matter. It's funny, like uh, I was reminded of this picture Friday night, hanging around with the boys, had a sleepover, tuning in to the WWE WrestleMania SmackDown. Oh yeah, on TV in full brilliant 4K color. It's like, oh boy, this is gonna be interesting. What I saw there was a vivid depiction of the total depravity of man in all its glory. And y'all are laughing because you watched it too. <laughs> or you've seen it. I was like, wow, this is a vivid depiction of total depravity of man right here in all of its glory unashamed. I don't recommend that you watch that. <laughs> And nearly everything I just read from Galatians 5 about the works of the flesh was depicted in one way or another. I was praying in my spirit, God have mercy on our souls. We are so messed up. So messed up. And then Galatians 5.22 continues. Here's the contrast. But, so that was all the, the fleshly stuff. The but. The fruit of the spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No one's going to arrest you for those things. There's no law against those things. Against such things, there is no law. And so, as I was thinking about these things, that's the contrast between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh profits nothing. Clearly, that list that I just read about the flesh, it profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life and peace. And so as we, as we tie this back to what Jesus has been talking about in John 6, he is the bread of life. We are to eat of him in our souls. We are to feed on him. And as I was talking to our uh, friends from Myanmar on Friday night, uh, we were having a conversation about food. They love to make great food. And uh, we were talking about food that we eat in our countries. And I was reminded that we grow an appetite for what we feed on. You feed the flesh, you're going to grow more hungry for the food the flesh desires. Think about this. You feed, on the, you feed your flesh all that stuff, bad music, bad TV shows, bad books, bad media. Whatever you're feeding, your body is what's going to get stronger and what you're going to have more of a hunger and craving and desire for. You feed the flesh, you're going to grow more hungry for the fleshly things. If you're feeding your spirit, you're going to grow more hungry for God's word and his love and his spirit in your life. I was talking to Mio, and he's like, uh, you know, from the time we were young, we've eaten rice. And so, you know, I, I don't even want to go more than two days without eating rice because my body just wants the rice. Even if I don't want to eat the rice, <laughs> right? Even if I'm trying to like lose some weight or be like cut my carbs, all those things, you know, I, I don't really want to eat so much rice, but my body wants the rice. And isn't that the way it is with our bodies and with our souls? What we feed ourselves is what we desire more. And so if you're saying, you know, oh, you know, I just can't seem to walk in the spirit. I can't seem to hear a word from the Lord. I can't seem to be close to God. God seems so distant. Maybe perhaps we're not feeding our spirit enough spiritual food. Maybe we need to be reading our Bibles more. Maybe we need to be praying more, meditating on his word more. Crying out to God in prayer more. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. You know. Only you know. And maybe we need to turn out and turn off the screens more. And feed ourselves on the word of God. True food. True dream. So what are you feeding your flesh? How are you feeding your spirit? What does that look like for your life? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So don't be like this grumbling crowd. Don't be even like the disciples, his disciples who reject his words and turn away and walk away from him. Let's be more like Peter here in his confession that we see in verses 66 through 69, back to our text. After this, many of his disciples turned back, no longer walked with him. Jesus said to the twelve. Do you want to go away too? 
Simon answered him, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. We have believed. We have come to know that you, Lord Jesus, are the Holy One of God. Where else shall we go? Who else shall we follow? I thought about this in my own life. Who else is there? What else is there? Muhammad did not have the words of life. He's dead. He's buried in a tomb. Buddha did not have the words of life. He is dead. He is buried in a tomb. Who else shall we follow? Who else is there to truly believe in? Only Jesus has the words of spirit and life. Only Jesus died and rose again from the dead. Only Jesus is the true and living Savior of the world. Only Jesus is the bread of life. Come to Jesus today. Believe in Jesus today. Drink deeply of his living water. Feast and feed on his living bread. Find rest for your soul in Jesus today. None that come to him are lost. All who trust in him have life. And he will raise them up on the last day, just as he promises he will. Amen. <clears throat>